to Ampersand the Enigma podcast with me, your host, Rainbow Black. Guys, it's Father's Day. So today I'm going to be looking at some of the complexities of being a father on Father's Day and just some of the challenges that men face in today's society. Let's face it, fatherhood is, is not an easy job. We're not just going to be looking at fathers per se, we're going to be looking at role models or men that stand in as father figures for men in today's society and not just men, for daughters as well. So we're going to be looking at some of the challenges that come up with being a father in today's society and what are some of the pressures that stop fathers from being great fathers and how can we support men to be better fathers in a really difficult climate. So let's get into it. I'm going to play you a clip from Boys in the Hood where you have two parents that are discussing their son and there's obvious conflict but there's also evident love for their child. So co-parenting can be quite difficult and trying at times but I think the main key really is communication and a shared interest in the child. So let's get into that. It's going to be a fantastic episode. I go deep, I dissect and hopefully at the end you come out with some great tips on how to be a father and how to get more involved in your children's lives. So let's get into it. Enjoy the episode. supposed to mean? Hmm? I thought we were going to talk about Trey. Um, espresso, please. Cafe au lait, please. I bought him some shoes yesterday. Why are you always buying him stuff? Can I be nice to my son? Hmm? Do I have that right? Yes, you have that right, but he has a job. You don't have to always buy him stuff. Look. Did he tell you he wants to move in with Brandy when he goes to school? Yeah. So? Yeah. So? So don't you think that's a bad idea? I think that Trey is old enough to make his own decisions, Rita. Well, you're his father. That means you were supposed to guide his decisions. Well, what the hell do you think I've been doing for the last seven years? Well, not that, evidently. Listen, Reva, it's time for you to let go. I know you want to play the mommy and all of that, but Trey is a grown man now. He is not a little boy anymore. That time has passed, sweetheart. You missed it. Excuse me, I'm going to get some cigarettes. No, you're not getting off that easy. Sit your ass down. Excuse me? I said sit your ass down before I raise my voice and make a fool out of both of us. Now, it's my time to talk. 
Of course you took in your son, my son, our son. And you taught him what he needed to be a man. I'll give you that, because most men ain't man enough to do what you did. But that gives you no reason, do you hear me? No reason to tell me that I can't be a mother to my son. What you did is no different from what mothers have been doing from the beginning of time. It's just too bad more brothers won't do the same. But don't think you're special. You may be cute, but not special. Drink your cafe all day, it's on me. that a lot of fathers are going to be at home waiting for their breakfast in bed for their kids to come and bring them you know a nice poached egg or a boiled egg with some soldiers um, in bed or if they're lucky a full English. Father's Day can mean a lot of things to different people so what does it mean what is Father's Day about? So Father's Day is a celebration honouring fathers and celebrating fatherhood, paternal bonds and the influence of fathers in society. So that suggests that it doesn't have to be your biological father that you're celebrating. It's not everybody. Not everybody has great relationships with their actually biological fathers or their, their biological father might, might not be around. You may be an absent father for one reason or another or your father may have passed away so there's you know too many different circumstances that influence that but you know a father could be you know an elder in the community somebody that you regard as a father figure but he's not actually your father and you take direction from him you're influenced by him you admire him you know, you 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 trust him, you can talk to him, you look to him as a man to guide you, or you look to him as a female for advice and protection and guidance. Yeah, because there's nothing like there's nothing like a father and daughter relationship. It's it's normally a very intimate, um, protective relationship if it's father and daughter not to say that fathers can't be protective with their sons because they are as well but you know um many men will say when they when when they become a father to a, a girl the whole the whole perception changes on relationships especially if they were not moving right in their uh, intimate relationships with women the moment they have a daughter they say my gosh, you know, if anybody was to do to my daughter what I've done to women, I'd probably put them, they'd probably be pushing up daisies. 
So I know I've really got to guide my daughter and look out for them because I know what men, some men, are capable of. So you know, um, the the father and daughter relationship is a is a very precious one. You know, you will often hear fathers refer to their daughters as princess. I know my dad used to call me princess. Um, I was definitely my my dad's favourite. You know, um, I don't think that's that's changed. Although um, my dad is almost too ill to know who I am now because he has um, early vascular dementia. But I'll get into that a bit later because I don't want to get emotional at this point. But um, Father's Day is is a massive thing for for sons as well. You know, there's that male bonding. And they look to their dads for for guidance and for strength, you know, um, on how to be a man, how to move in the world, and you know. But but actually, we know that there's a lot of um, young men that don't have great relationships with their fathers because maybe their father is um, an authoritarian type of parent. Where they feel that they can only tell them the bare minimum. They can't express emotion or fear or failure because the father hasn't given them that indication that they can be vulnerable and open and transparent with them. So they don't have um, great communication and great. Um, attachments to their father they may have that they may they may seek it out with other males that make them feel comfortable i predominantly work with men 90 90 95 percent men um as my client group yeah they say i i i just don't feel as though i can talk to my father but there are other males that i will look to for advice and that i feel like i can talk to and then if they can't talk to a male, it'll normally be a female, yeah. And and it doesn't have to be a romantic connect connection. It's just that women are very good, although this is a stereotype. We're we're good listeners. We're good nurturers. You know, we're we're very open. We're not afraid to talk about emotion or show emotion. So a man will often come to a woman for that. Things are changing. You know, and it depends on what generation you were born in as well, or what your cultural background was. So, you know, fatherhood is a, a tricky thing. You know, they have these stereotypes in society, and they can be quite damaging, actually. Where they like to put labels on black fathers, and I'm going to talk about black fathers because I'm a black woman. So I have to talk from experience. They put labels on black men and say that they're no deadbeat dads absentee absentee fathers not around not great role models they're they're um they're incarcerated you know they're drug dealers you know they don't work all all of which all the these guys just go around producing children everywhere they don't give a shit about their kids well actually that's not true those things are happening, incarceration, you know, whether, whether it's 
in the UK or or in America or wherever those things are happening for sure you know and you know one would argue that that is part of the criminal justice's um, plan to remove black fathers from the home by um, you know making them felons or making them criminals as I saw in a, a video today where um, a couple was shopping with their children and there was there was um, an accusation made that one of the children had walked out, four-year-old child had walked out the store with a dolly and not paid for it. And they were on the way to their car and the police drew down on this family with guns and they were shouting at them and they pinned pin the father up against the car and were saying, I'm going to put a cap in your, your head. And his wife was on the way to the car with a baby and the four-year-old and were I had the gun in her face and I was telling her to put her hands up and she said, I can't because I've got a newborn baby in my arms. I've got my four-year-old. Plus I'm pregnant. You know, they were dying to shoot them. They were dying to shoot him. You know, as a father, he was, you could see that he was torn by the reader because he's thinking, I need to protect my wife and kids. But then if I make the wrong move, they're going to kill me and then my wife and kids will be left without a father. You know, and they, they, they probably come up with some trumped up charges and removing from these families. So this is this is how a lot of men have been removed from their families in the US. To feed, it's almost like a big monster, to feed their prison system, feed it, to ensure that there's always workers there. You remember slavery was abolished, but it's a, it's a different type of slavery. It's a different way of getting people to the plantation. Slap, um, slap a charge on them and they become a felon and then they get caught in a, a cycle of trying to survive and then they end up back in prison anyway so then they're removed from the family and children are still being produced but then mum becomes a single mum so she gets that label as well or you know they've gone away for a sentence and the woman crumbles onto the, the pressure and the relationship breaks down. You know, what, whatever. Or the, or the police just kill, kill, kill the men. So they're not around for their children. And again, the woman gets labelled a single mother. You know, so there's a bit of a system, a bit of a systematic thing going on here. You know, um, even here in the UK, you're not given certain opportunities and then, and the playing field is not level you may feel that you need to break home whether low level or high level and you become incarcerated you, you get incarcerated you have a criminal record you get stuck in a cycle of offending so you're no longer at home with the family you have your child there you come in and out of their lives your children are confused by what you're supposed to be because you're in and out of their lives, they're being incarcerated, you know, um, or relationships break down. So there's, there's, there's so many issues why, why men are not there, or relationships are so strained because finances, you know, that communication breaks down, cheating happens, infidelity happens, contributing factors, or 
a man doesn't feel that he can provide for his family you know because as a father that's what you want to do especially if you've seen your dad do that you've seen him bring home the money you've seen him provide for you and the family you want to mirror that that's what dad's been about that's some of the messages that are sent out to, to young men if they've grown up seeing their father in home providing for the family. They want to mirror that. But if those opportunities are not there, then they may look for that elsewhere. And it might be in an older boy on a street corner who says, I'm gonna look after you. I'm gonna school you up. And and it's normally actually um Normally homes without fathers, those are vulnerable spaces because as a mum, you can try and wear the trousers and the skirt, but it's a very difficult juggling act actually. But gang members or people that groom people into gangs, they deliberately look for homes where there is no father because they're easy to penetrate. They know there's a vulnerability there. There's no man in that household. So this fatherhood thing is is quite deep. It's not all cute and fluffy, you know. So I think that's why it's important as well in communities for there to be men that represent strong male figures. So they so they take on these roles of of kind of being surrogate surrogate fathers then role models for other males to go to so the pressure isn't all on mothers because you always see mothers um having to wear all these different hats and be all these different people and have to be this strong black woman which gets really jarring and very wearing because you can only be strong for so long you know, yes, we are the pillar and the backbones of our communities. However, you know, um, we still need the support of our men. Men, you, you are still needed. You might feel that we don't need you. We do. You know, even if you separate from your partners, you know, make that effort. Make that effort to still engage with your children and support your ex-partner to grow your seeds that you've planted you know and it's not about money believe it or not because people believe that um, many men I work with sorry believe that to be a, a good father to be a respected father you have to have money to spend time with your kids and I'm I, I sit them and sit them down and go no 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 you're getting it all around it's not about the financial monetary support that you can give yes that is one aspect but it's a very small aspect are you emotionally available to your children can they come to you can they talk to you will they get affection from you you know will you be able to sit down with them and do their homework can you take them to school will you be able to cook a meal for them would you be able to read a book with them? You know, are you get are you gonna be there to tie their learn them how to tie their shoelaces or ride their first bike or do you go to parents evening? You know, all of these are very practical things, you know. You know, do you go for walks with them? 
you tell them about black history or what it is to be a male or female you give them relationship guidance none of this is monetary this is all life experience guidance you explain to them about life you spend time with them you share with them about your childhood or your hobbies you know you talk to them about future aspirations these are all things you talk to them about knowing who you are knowing what your rights are knowing how to defend yourself not necessarily using violence either Through, through no fault of their own, um, probably because of contributing factors such as um, domestic abuse. So restraining orders have to be in place. But what I try and do with the men that I work with is to focus them on the, the needs of the child. So rather than getting into a tit-for-tat situation with, with their partners or ex-partners, I encourage them to think about focusing on the relationship with their children and maintaining those links and being present for their children, spending time with their children if the, if the restraining order doesn't restrict them in that way, but also still putting money aside for them, still sending gifts for them or writing letters to them you know anything that the child can you know look back on and say you know what I know that dad isn't here I know why dad's not in the home I was a part to that I was a witness to that but I know he still loves me I know he still cares for me even though him and mum aren't getting on at the moment or it's not safe for mum to be around dad at the moment but I know that he still cares about me and that he wants to be a part of my life and still support me. And maybe we can sit down and talk about what happened one day when I'm old enough to understand or he's in a headspace to be able to explain what happened. Because children, children are very curious creatures. They want to know. And they probably understand more than what you think so, you know, domestic violence, restraining orders, economics is, is also uh, definitely a contributing factor, you know, no matter what race you're from, but in particular, um, economics can, can act as a barrier and um, an external pressure factor. 
for many for many black fathers actually and nobody looks at the social economical and the, the black historical facts that can actually affect a man's um, ability to be part of a family and grow his children so there's those factors but also you know what what have they what have they actually experienced with their fathers as well you know maybe perhaps perhaps they don't know how to be a father i had um a guy that i well quite a few guys that i've worked with and they became fathers at very early ages you know for one reason or another maybe at that time they wasn't thinking about using contraception because they was unaware of the consequences of having unprotected sex you know, maybe their father hadn't been able to sit down and talk to them about about um, protecting themselves and the implications of um, them becoming fathers and the power of what they have inside their bodies which could produce children. Maybe they didn't have that sex ed talk. You know, but I, I've had men that I've worked with and they said, you know what, I, I, I became a father at a very early age and I'll be really honest with you, I wasn't ready. I was still a kid. I was unprepared. I seen my childhood just melt away in front of me and I had feelings about that, but I didn't even know I had feelings about that until we started having this conversation. I just felt I was losing my youth. I could no longer be, you know, footloose and fancy free. All of a sudden I had to become a man very quickly, a man and a father. Nothing, and, and, and there was no blue there was no blueprint there. I had no idea how to do that, so I kind of fell into it. I hear it all the time. From all different men, all different backgrounds, all different races, all different ages. They openly admit to that and it says it was it was very hard for me and to some point I had feelings of resentment but also I was petrified having all this responsibility at such a young age and not really knowing what I was doing and I didn't have I didn't have that guidance from my dad if anything my dad was annoyed and he showed his annoyance and his anger and his disappointment but there was no there's no guidance there to say look son I know this has happened or I relate I relate to you because I had you early these are some of the steps and I'll be there to guide you you know so I hear this all the time so many men don't know how to be fathers they're learning on the job you know which is why you know role models or surrogate fathers or elders that can help it would be great if they did step in I'm reluctant to use the word should but that's actually what's needed because we're seeing that now just going back to economics again as well how this can contribute many fathers now and mothers find themselves having to work really long hours to provide for their family because everything's changed the lot of pressure to provide for the family and you know have lots of fancy luxury goods and the bills are higher you know there's less work less jobs people being laid off so all of these things are contributing factors fathers are not really at home so they can't 
be there to guide the children and see what they're doing and interact with them. So these are acting as, as, as barriers. You know, I remember my own childhood, my dad was pretty much there most of the time. You know, and he was able to he was able to connect with me, we sit and we talk for hours. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I, I remember being at home with my dad one day and he was cooking. I was just watching him. And um, you know, I loved watching him and loved, loved eating his food. And um, something happened to me. I was about 12. You know, my um, my period started, and I had no idea what the hell was going on. And I disappeared for quite some time. And my dad came to find me, and I says, "I was really embarrassed." He says, I "Said I'm bleeding," and he started to laugh. He was laughing for. About a good two minutes and I said, well, why is this man laughing? He goes, he, he goes, it's nothing to worry about. You're a woman now. You're now entering womanhood. It's nothing to be afraid of. If your mum was here, or my mum was out at work, um, she would be having this conversation with you, but because she's not, I'm gonna have a conversation. It's a period. And basically your body's releasing eggs that have been unfertilized so I got a whole biology lesson on what was happening in my body. And then he went and he got, you know, some sanitary products from my mum's drawing says, this is what you do with them. And this is how long this will last. You know, seven, five to seven days, and it comes every 28 days. And it now means that you're vulnerable. You could become pregnant. So don't get any ideas about having any sexual relationships. It was quite funny, but I was so grateful for that talk, and that has always stayed with me. You know, my dad gave me that. He gave me that advice and that guidance. You know, so it's not gender specific. And I remember as a kid as well, my mum and dad, pretty much working as a team, my dad would comb my hair and flat it, and be ironing our clothes and washing our clothes as well. It was very much part of you know, family life and cooking. Cooking was a big thing. I was I was very much a princess. I didn't do any cooking, but I tell you what, I did a lot of observing. And um, now I'm an adult. I've, I've learned that all that all the observing of my dad cooking, I picked up his um, cooking technique. So and I, I, I can say I've got my dad's hand. I've got his way of cooking. I've been I've been blessed with that. He's given me that gift, and you know that's priceless because I'll never starve. But food, my food tastes amazing, and every time I I cook, I think of him because I taste I taste his hand, I taste his technique. You know, and um, a lot of people say, oh "My God, you're just like your dad," and I look just like him as well. So, you know, genetics are strong mannerisms have been passed down so it's all little, little beautiful gems and um, just spending time with him was so precious actually I learned everything there is to learn about music from my dad and those years spent going up and down to the 
to music shops and music markets and fakes and spending time polishing his vinyl and talking about all the different forms of music really helped me because it helped to train my ear and it helped me to appreciate all different genres of music. He really um, he was very diverse and he was just he was just a character. But I learnt a lot about being a father from spending time with him. I learnt that dads can be strong. But I also learnt that dads can be vulnerable and they struggle with a lot of a lot of things internally in terms of expressing their feelings. He always encouraged me to express my feelings, but when it came down to the wire, when really big emotional things happened, I saw that he struggled to express his feelings. Like, I didn't know that he didn't know his dad until he was around 40, never knew his father. And he took a trip home to Jamaica and he was really nervous about going first time I seen my dad look nervous because he was, you know, fairly comical, jokey and um, he was nervous and just before he was leaving he hugged me for for the first time. My dad was affectionate but he wasn't he wasn't a hugger and um, yeah he hugged me and I didn't even know what to do. I was like, where's this coming from? He never hugs us and and I thought this is new and he looked sad and he looked vulnerable and it's only when he came back and he told us about the first time I met his dad I realised why he looked that way and I was like wow this is a new side to dad then he realised that your parents are only human beings like you and they can, they can, they can get nervous about stuff, they can get anxious about stuff and actually spending a year living with him after my parents separated, I got to know a lot about my dad. You know, he lived a very high-pressured life. You know, um, just trying to provide for his family. He would tell me stories about when he first came to the UK, because my dad, my dad's from the countryside. He's Jamaican, yeah and being 14 and my mum falling pregnant um, at quite a young age and him having to become a father and the pressures of that the pressure to provide for his family and going to work in a chocolate factory famous chocolate factory Cadbury's and experiencing a lot of racism and feeling as though he just wanted to run away and, and get getting depressed and feeling alone and feeling isolated but also being blatantly aware he's got two children to provide for and I think he was I think he was 19 when he had me yeah he was 19 and he had my brother because there was there was twins. One of my one of my siblings died. They had my bro- my brothers before me, and the pressure was just on him. But he had to endure all this racism. Um, when he first came to the UK, and he really felt the pressure of that, and he fell into many different things because of that. He fell into a deep depression actually, 
but um, he just made the decision. I want I want to make sure I provide for my family, and I don't want them to eat that crappy English food. I want them to eat the hard food, good Jamaican food. You know, so I'm gonna have to make money and and work and kind of suck up this racism. Um, that it was enduring. I've got to put my feelings aside, so I internalised a lot of things, you know, and it's quite deep. There was, there was so many things I learnt about my dad from spending time with him and living with him. You know, I, I think in the end I just, I, I began to worry about him, because I realised just this, this man who I held up in such high regard as a superhero, I realised that he was vulnerable on so many levels. He, he hadn't finished growing because he'd become a father early. He was kind of just muggling his way through. He did his best, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't always, you know, a great dad. He made mistakes like anybody else. But because I got to know so much about him, I was able to forgive him. At times I couldn't. And um, I had to question myself and go, you know what, he's, he's just a human being, he's made mistakes, he probably doesn't even realise the depth of that mistake and the impact. So I had to move past that because I wanted the relationship with my dad. I wanted that. So in some ways, I... My sister and I became the parents rather than the children from quite a young age. You know, I feel like I've been looking after my parents since I was 19, probably even before that. Um, but yeah, he was quite vulnerable and he's even more vulnerable now. He has this um, early vascular dementia. But yeah, I, I took so much from him. Uh, that's why I, I have this massive love affair with music. But, you know, even relationship advice, he would give me advice around men. He's like, if you meet a man, right, you must go and check his cupboards to see if there's any food in there. And if there's no food in there, you need to put on your shoes. Or don't even take off your shoes, just run, because you will starve there. He will not be able to look after you, because he's not even looking after himself. And that kind of became a trademark thing that would do, I would check. I'll check the cupboards when I go on dates if I if I've even reached that far to get into the house. And if there was no food there and <laughs> you could guarantee because I, I tried and tested it and had a couple of crap relationships as a result of that. And it says he told me no food in the cupboard, no self-care, no care for you. And you're so damn right. You know, but there was nothing there was no conversation that was off limits with him and I really loved that. Um, but I just recognised that he struggled to talk about emotions, especially when he lost when he lost his dad, because his dad was taken away from him and he was murdered. So just as he was getting to know him, he was taken away, and it's it's quite an amazing story actually because my dad so excited about meeting his dad um, that he took us took us all on a trip to Jamaica so we could meet him but one thing he did say he said 
you know, when he when he first met his dad, he saw him and he just broke down crying. He said he wasn't even expecting it. He wasn't expecting any tears because he, he's not a crying person. Then he broke down crying because the man looked so much like him. It's like a, a giant version of him. <laughs> you know, and I, I could really relate to that. He says, he looked like me. He had my mannerisms. But, um, you know, he was... He was kind of like saying to him, why are you crying, boy? You know, what's the problem? Why are you crying? And my dad couldn't really, he couldn't, he couldn't articulate it. He couldn't articulate what he was feeling. But he just says, yeah, I just broke down crying, man. The man just looked like me. And then I see my brothers and I cried even more because there was like 12 different versions of me. It was like one of those Russian dolls. And when I went to Jamaica and I seen my granddad for the first time and I seen all my uncles I could see why he cried like a baby because it was it was nothing short of a miracle it was amazing I said to my dad all these different versions of my dad and look at my dad's daddy and they're so similar in their mannerisms they're always helping people out always cooking pillar of the community people love him people be jealous of him which is why they they, they murdered him you know, and it was just, you know, it made me look at fatherhood in a whole different way. You know, and I don't think it's an easy job being a dad. You know, some some um, some men arguably don't make the effort, but actually, there's many black fathers that do, and and I see that in black communities. Actually, it is a myth because. Um, you know, men will put the effort into their children. They do. I see it. I do see it. You know, because they don't want their, their kids to get stabbed and shot, or they want their kids to do well at school, so they will invest. Not every father is a deadbeat. That that is definitely a stereotype. It's a narrative that's been created by the system and by media. You know, but nobody looks at the actual history that men have been separated, black men have been separated from their families for centuries because that was a way of maintaining control and fear. You know, you break down the family unit and we're still feeling the effects of that now. We're still feeling the effects of that, but yes, there are um, black fathers out there. But you know, if I'm generalising, there's, there's a lot of men that are doing great, great things with their children. They are, they are supporting. So those of you that are doing good things with your kids and being supportive and pushing them and, and um, you know, encouraging them to be the best versions of themselves, continue to do that. You know, encourage your children to talk to you and share emotions. And if you find that you're also struggling, you know, look to somebody for guidance for yourselves as well. But don't be afraid to show your children emotion. Yes, you may not have um, experienced that with your father. Break the cycle. Because I'm experiencing a lot of angry, um, traumatised men as well. When they say, I don't get praise. But that's quite a big thing. If your father never praised you made you feel good about yourself, never gave you any affirmations, there was no validation there. Um, you may look for that in the wrong place, where they say they, they
they didn't give me that attention they gave it to other people other people's kids or whatever other males or other females was there was nothing for me i'm encountering a lot of emotionally damaged um men of all ages you know they feel confused about that and they're still looking for that validation and and sometimes they become violent towards their fathers because they didn't receive that affection or because they didn't feel like they could talk to their father. So, you know, these things have um, uh, a knock-on effect to them. So these are some of, just some of the barriers, really, um, that stop men from being good fathers. And, you know, there are things that can be worked on, they're working in progress. It's never too late to become a good father. And, you know, children that are separated from their children, the children will come and find you one day. What do you want them to come and find? What kind of relationship do you want to have with them? That's what you need to ask yourself. What do you want to change? You know, how do you want to feel? How do you want to be viewed by others and by your children? Yeah. So I'm just thinking now. Some of the things to do for Father's Day. A lot of fathers say they get um, stereotypical things like um, shirts and ties and stuff. But you could just simply either phone your dad, you could go out for a walk with your dad. You know, um, for some people, if they're into fishing, go and fish with your dad taking a film, taking a football match, um, go for a massage and a steam together, go gym together, you know, go for a meal together, cook, cook together, have a barbie, you know, book a holiday together, go hiking, you know, play golf together, Any, anything where, you know, it's, it's bonding, it's bonding time. You know, there's, there's many things. You know, you might want to teach your dad how to use technology if it's an older, older head, or taking a film or concert. So many things. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be restrictive and boring anymore. You know, um, be original. Think about what your dad would like. You know, and if it's not your, as I said, if it's not your biological father, that that mentor or that father figure that you enjoy spending time with them. Let them know they're appreciated and loved. Yeah? So, I would say, happy Father's Day. Enjoy it. Embrace it. And, um, yeah. Take care. Rainbow Black signing out. <clears throat> And you know what to do. Like, rate, subscribe. Because without you, there is no me. And I've got so many um, podcasts I need to make. Um, so help me keep this space alive. Peace out. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Ampersand the Enigma podcast. To listen to more episodes on your favourite podcast platforms, tune in now on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast and Radio Republic. And you can also catch me on Apple Podcasts as well. So tune in, download the apps and enjoy. And remember to rate and subscribe to show your support and spread the word. Thank you so much from your host, Rainbow Black.